Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Well, it's Friday the 13th and we all know what that means. And the bad luck represented in this episode is something to behold. We have a helicopter deciding to hover directly overhead for a portion of the recording. We have a guest who nearly manages to injure himself in the course of the broadcast. We have a story about traffic islands, which really seems to put the icing on the cake. And by the way, if you want to follow up on what we have to say on that subject, Google Colonel Pierpont, and you'll get to find out what happened to the person who sponsored the first traffic island in London. For now, though, pin back your ears, raise your eyes, for we are searching for ghost signs. It's Friday the 13th of June, 2014. I'm in Quentin Wolfe, and this is Londonist Out Loud. Hey, baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sounds. You ain't never seen the light before, just a long throw from your front door. must say that we are in, or at least it feels like we're in North London, a little less than the other quarters of town. We're in Stoke Newington today, and just at the station, in fact, we're, we're looking down onto the concourse as we speak. One of the first things, of course, that strikes you with Stoke Newington is the religious and racial diversity. There are people walking past in full Orthodox Jewish regalia, crossing the paths of uh, people in Muslim uh, attire. We're standing outside the Kingdom Hall of Jehovah's Witnesses, and with no connection to any of that, we've got Sam Roberts here. We're battling against wind, and uh, we think a pneumatic drill's about to start up in the background, so it's perfect recording conditions. Hi, Sam. Good to meet you. How are you doing? Yeah, not, not too bad at all. I gather that we're not far away from the place where quite often you start your tours and we better say what the tours are and the task that you set people who turn up early so the tours are focused on what are known as ghost signs so they're the old remains of advertising that used to be painted onto the brickwork of buildings and i try and take people around stoke newington over a a couple of hours and show them some of these and some of the stories that they tell us and 
I get them to meet me by Stoke Newington Station, being a local transport link, and their first task is to see which ghost sign they can spot from the meeting point. I wonder if we could begin by suggesting what somebody might typically do, some sort of tips for somebody looking for a ghost sign. Well, this is territory that I know all too well, having had near collisions with cars and on my bicycle in the hunt for these things the first thing you have to do is get your eyes off street level and up onto the first and often second floors of buildings they were obviously painted at those higher locations to increase their visibility from distance and from forms of transport like trains buses or omnibuses as they were once called and trams and walking going slowly take your time look over your shoulder when you pass an old victorian building these are the ways that you're going to catch these signs and a host of other interesting architectural and other features i almost feel like we need a disclaimer and the reason I say that, before we started recording, we were discussing uh, actually a broadcast that we did uh, some weeks ago with Rachel Kolsky. And she, as with many of the people who do tours around London, was saying that, uh, was explaining how she has to look after the safety of the people um, on the tours. Uh, she's very particular about crossing roads. Uh, it sounds as though if you guys are all looking up, you're just at risk of collision all the time. Absolutely. Well, Stoke Newington, they say there's something in the water around here because everybody seems to end up with a kid who moves here. And And buggies are a a real hazard as you're going up and down the streets. So the fact that on my tour, people are often looking up, taking their eyes off the road, means that they need to be extra extra careful of being struck by one of these uh, little champions in in a wheelchair, basically. And... The other thing is crossing roads. Even, you know, innocuous, small-looking roads can be busy when you're not looking. And so I always remind people at the start of the tour, when crossing the road, don't forget the Green Cross Code. And then you get visitors coming on tour from America and parts of Europe, and that's meaningless to them. You know, For us in, in the UK, we remember at school getting brought up on the Green Cross Code. But uh, for some of these from, from other parts, it's an alien concept. So I have to then just reiterate what that actually means to them. Uh, so, yeah, everyone's safety is my, my concern on the tours. I don't want anyone becoming a ghost on the Ghost Signs Tour. That would be tragic. So the, the moral of this story, listener, is if you're going to replicate what we do here, then uh, look down as well as up. But nobody looks up. That's true, isn't it? That when you're walking along the street, you do... I think I remember something about supermarket shelf stacking yeah. and uh, where certain products are placed according to whether they're likely to sell. And, and basically the most popular stuff is round about waist height because that's sort of where you tend to look. The unpopular stuff down at the bottom because you can't really be bothered to look that far. Yeah. And the stuff that you really don't care about selling, that goes slightly above above the eye line absolutely and I, I did one of my ghost signs tours here in stoke newington with the hackney society so the hackney society is a, a local history group and obviously full of people that know a hell of a lot of stuff about hackney and its history so that was quite intimidating for me i did it as a as a, a gift to the society but the wonderful thing after that tour was feedback from people who had come on it saying that they saw things on that tour in their own neighbourhoods that they had never noticed before. And I, I refer to it as tuning into the frequency. It's a bit like if you're, if you're not tuned in, you're not going to see these things. But as soon as you start looking up and looking around, you get onto the frequency and then they'll start to come out at you from everywhere. And that's really what happened to me. You know, When I started researching and getting interested in these things i became attuned to where you were likely to see them and then started to notice them in places that i had walked up and down 
hundreds of times before and just never never noticed them so uh, i hope that today taking you out on a bit of uh, you know a segment of the tour you will start to tune into that frequency and, and spot them for yourself we have of course the benefit of pictures and perhaps it's a, an opportune moment to paint a word picture of the area you're based yourself in stokey i think yeah so i'm uh, hackney raised i was actually born, born in camden raised in hackney educated in islington so I'm, I'm a north london boy basically and i guess fortunate in lots of ways stoke newington is a conservation zone which means that it's got degrees of protection from development development that happens in this area has to be in keeping with the general aesthetic and look and feel of of the area and what that does is it has a a slight stifling effect on on development bath is another great example in the jewelry quarter in birmingham where development is is slightly arrested compared to other places where there is a bit more of a free-for-all and it's by virtue of that fact that lots of these old bits of advertising and other interesting curiosities on the street have survived for so long. Some of the stuff that we look at on the tour is 120 plus years old and it's remarkable really that it's still with us today, not least uh, for the durability of the paint uh, on the wall, um, but also that nobody has, has chosen to cover that up or clean it or paint it in that time. And I think that the conservation uh, status of the, of the area has a lot to do with that. That's very interesting. I guess from the vantage point we've got here at the station, what I'm seeing, it doesn't look uh, particularly conservable. There's some uh, big old blocks there that that don't look very lovely to my mind. And a few few brown brick buildings that you might think have got some age on them. It's a bit of a scruffy corner, maybe, this little bit. How would you characterise Stoke Newington more generally? So the area is not on the tube, which always gives it this village-like feel now this we're right at the north tip here in fact in Stamford Hill rather than Stoke Newington as some people would call this area Uh, as we get down into Stoke Newington you'll tend to find rows and rows of terraced Victorian houses interspersed with housing estates from the 50s 60s and 70s which obviously came about as a result of bomb damage the area is becoming increasingly affluent gentrified I guess you'd call it it was in the, the sort of 70s, lots of artistic and creative people moved here because of cheap property and, and so on. And it was quite a run-down part of London. But it's over time got more and more developed and to such a point that Foxtons have now opened on Stoke Newington Church Street, much to the chagrin of, of one of my friends. So an area that's changing at quite some pace, but I think it still keeps that village feel as you get as we walk up church street a bit later uh, you know you will really have a feel of a village street with lots of independent traders a couple of churches at the end of the street and not too busy you know the traffic tends to move quite slowly um, the main risk is obviously as i said before the buggies well yeah, i can confirm that every single person who's passed us by since we started talking has had a buggy it's, it's remarkable there was even one we were standing near a low wall and there was one i was convinced definitely didn't have one and then the buggy emerged in front of the person it's incredible so we normally would meet here on one of your tours yeah. just in front of the station there and you set the task for people to see if they can spot a ghost sign so the eyes are raised and well i think i've spotted the first one that you've got in your mind here all i can make out is the top part of a wall 
and it looks like the bottom part of some paintwork that was once on that wall and it seems to say six labels Okay, close. Tables. Oh, tables. Is, is, uh, is what we're seeing there. So, yes, we're, we're looking up at a wall. It's about the height of, of a first floor window. And what can, I, can I have a guess at what they used to do? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I reckon that this was either a pool hall yeah. or a furniture store with very limited supply. <laughs> I've, I, for a while, thought it might be some kind of restaurant that was, was boasting that they had more tables <laughs> than the one next door. Uh, I think your, the pool hall is probably right. Maybe it would have been billiards uh, in, in the area that that was produced. Uh, but what you've got, interestingly, going on here is, is two layers of text painted onto this wall. The six t- uh, tables part is in a sort of red rust colour. But if you look carefully underneath that, uh, you'll see some letters in black and all you can make out there is a specialty. So this effect we refer to as a palimpsest. And palimpsest comes from when people used to write on uh, wax tablets or parchment and they would reuse that tablet or parchment over and over again. So they would write one piece of text and then that would be redundant. They would scrape it clean and write another Uh, layer of text on but the imprint or the remains of the previous layer of text would still be there resulting in this uh, sort of two two layers of text or three or four on on one piece of material and so this idea of palimpsest is something that uh, many ghost signs enthusiasts have borrowed to describe the effect that you see here which is of the old the newer signs sorry fading gradually to reveal the remains of the older sign underneath so what do you what do you do then? You spot something like this, and yeah. presumably, uh, and quite clearly, it, it tickles your interest yeah. as you start to wonder what it might have been. Now, beyond identifying the sign itself, do you start then to dig into the history, and how do you go about doing that? Yeah, so sometimes it's fairly straightforward. You'll have a, a big brand, Hovis or Gillette or something like that, and the history of those companies is fairly well documented, and you can look that up on their own websites, particularly something like Hovis, where... They're very proud of their history and and their legacy. But something like this or some of the other signs that we'll see today are for local retailers, you know, one-man shops. And in that case, what you need to do is get down to the local archives. And in in the case of the tour here, I've spent days now uh, at Hackney Archives in Dalston pouring over the first port of call is often the post office directories so these are guides to who occupied premises at which point in time in history so you can look at the post office directory for 1891 and you can see who was based in a certain premises in that year and what that allows you to do is to pinpoint when did the ownership or the res- or the occupancy of that premises change hands and then when did it change hands again and within that you have a bracket in which the sign must have been produced so that's a very elementary way of dating these signs to say well it must have been after this date when rls moved in and before this date when he died you can look at death records as well and that then gives you this broad range and you assume that it must have been painted towards the beginning of that because it seems silly to only put up your sign as you're about to leave a premises so it would tend to be you moved in within a year or two you would have your sign up and then you're trading there until death or until you until you move on this one funnily enough six tables 
remarkably scarce information on the ground. I've not been able to uncover that. And that's partly because of a challenge here that this passageway, this alleyway that we're stood in, has changed names and numbering systems a lot over time. So I haven't been able to pinpoint much about that. Uh, Next to it, there's the other sign, uh, which we can't see very clearly from this distance. But when we get up close, we'll see it says cards and embossers. So there was obviously also a printing firm of some description, in printing and stationery firm of some description in this same building. I simply can't imagine how you've been able to discern the words that were there. They, I've been looking at that the whole time, and I, can, I think I can make out a couple of S's, but I would never have reached that. You, you must have an eye for this. <laughs> you do become trained to look for these things, and you know that certain words will crop up more than others. Uh, so best quality, hygienic... Lots of these phrases and turns of phrase will come up time and time again on these ghost signs. The other thing is there's an army of people out there poised and ready to help with, uh, with my own research. I'm, I'm lucky now with the Facebook page and the Twitter group that I can put images out and ask people, what does this say or what do you know about this sign? And I get people responding who you know, will send me links to other sources online. So I've reached this point now after, I think, eight years it is of, of researching these things where it's not just me that's able to provide insights and knowledge. I can put that out to the wider community and get them to, to assist with, with my discoveries. I think perhaps we might move on. Um, for, yeah, for, from our first location, where are we headed? So we're going we're gonna to go down the alley so you can get a closer look at this one as we go past and then we're going to turn round the corner and you're going to get a double whammy. Uh, I was hoping to get a double whammy today at some point. <laughs> we're moving down the alleyway now. We've managed to shake off the pursuing helicopter that clearly knows where you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably a wanted man. There's a funny incident... Uh, we, we'll talk about a bit later where should we be recording this uh, we could record this there's at the end of the tour i stop at this piece of banksy artwork which is on the street on stoke newington church street and in its effort to clean up the borough ahead of the 2012 olympics hackney council went around blackwashing any wall that had any remnants of paint graffiti or similar on it And this Banksy piece had been produced with the permission of the property owner and the council had sent down these two paint... Uh, you know, painter decorator types to to blackwash this wall, and she came out screaming at them to uh, to stop doing that, and eventually managed to get them to stop. Anyway, I was I was doing the dry run of my tour one time, and I had this clipboard, and I was stood there with a couple of guests looking at this Banksy piece with my clipboard referring to my notes, and this woman came running out and uh, said, "You're not from the council, are you?" <laughs> So she's she's obviously lives in fear of of her Banksy piece being destroyed, but it's still there. Well, given the value of those things, I mean, of course, you, of course, you would. And that sounds like a bit of a nightmare, though. If you were aware of all these ghost signs, which clearly seem to fall into the category of the stuff that the 2012 guys would want to yeah. eradicate, you, yeah. you must have been pretty worried. Well, I, I had no, didn't know anything about this because at the time I was living in Cambodia, and the <laughs> well, that just wrong-footed my line of thought. <laughs> So, well, at the time I was living in Cambodia, but the, the, the funniest thing about this all is that this, the chap, this chap Errol, who runs the flower shop on Church Street, he's got the, the ghost sign that got me started. We maybe get a look at that a bit later. He got a letter through the post saying, you have got one month or some such to remove all graffiti from your building. 
otherwise we'll come and do it for you. This was from the council. And he went outside, thought, oh God, has somebody put some graffiti on my building overnight? And looked and nothing had changed. And he thought they must be talking about this old bit of advertising. And so he politely wrote back to them, pointing out that what he had on his wall was a, a you know, around 90-year-old piece of historic advertising. And they left him alone. But funnily enough, that particular sign now has got what's called local listed status. So the Hackney Society and English Heritage teamed up to do a survey of noteworthy buildings and features in, in the borough. And that, as a result, got local listed status. So it's gone from being at threat from the council to now being protected um while we've been talking listener i've had a double whammy <laughs> so you've probably caught hopefully to your left the first half of your double whammy and now that these trees are sort of in full leaf you probably won't see the next half until we come under this tree well on the the one on the left there john brown whiskies and then on the right now, this one is a bit bit harder to decipher. One of the fun things I try and do on the tour is I don't just read these things out to people as we get to them. I like to give people a go at trying to decipher them themselves because I think that's half the fun is trying to piece together the fragments of text that we can see on the sign. So you, met, you did very well on that one opposite. Well, shall, I, shall I have a go at this? Yeah. Um, uh, Empiricum, Cooper, Jobmaster... Weddings, uh, carriages, possibly. Yep. Um, and I'll give you. I don't know what the bottom bit is. Bonus points if you get these two. <laughs> oh, it's it's clear as day. It's impassable Bruges. <laughs> so you've done you've done very well. The the very top. There's actually again two signs on one location here. But you've got F Cooper, um, which you've got Jobmaster, wedding carriages. And then these two bits of sort of scrolling text are Landau's and Brahms or Brahms, which are both types of coaches, aren't they? Horse-drawn coaches. Can I, can I just uh, drop in an apology here? We, we actually have a helicopter that is now <laughs> uh, positioned itself uh, as stationary as a helicopter can be above us. <laughs> like I say, I think they, they must be on the, uh, on the hunt for me. I wonder if it's just worth, for the sake of the broadcast, could you just turn yourself in? <laughs> He's here. They're up there going, that never says Landau. <laughs> now, what's a job master? Well, yeah, that's, that doesn't really seem to fit in with the rest of it. So, and if, it, I'm taking from what you said that it can't be all part of the same... No, it does look like it's all part of the same thing. Well, I was thinking in employment... Uh, agent or something like that that can't be right yeah a, a, a former reed or manpower employment agency a job master was a, a victorian trade is a chap that owned carriages and horses and would would hire them out so for weddings or processions or, or other types of event and so that's why you've also got on there the landau and browns and it says wedding carriages now the other layer that you referred to is at the top of the sign I haven't been able to find much about that, but it, was, it looks like Templeman, I think. Oh, yes, I could see that. Um, <laughs> now I can see that. <laughs> now, this is where you start to get into the local history, you see. So this particular premises was occupied by Frank. The F there in F. Cooper stands for Frank Cooper. 
and he was in these premises uh, in the late 1800s uh, prior to that prior to that was uh, I'm going into tour mode shouting oh, no, I noticed that. <laughs> uh, I'll let you into a secret uh, lis- listener I've been uh, increasingly cowering from the, the might of this man's voice and consequently I think Sam has been looking at the microphone getting ever further away and needing to project even more uh, I, I was worried that we would be opposite ends of the street before too long uh, so yeah, I'll try and I'll try and tone it down on on the, on the tours. Obviously, because of the passing traffic and often all three emergency services on one tour, I well, normally attending get... the victims of the pushchairs. <laughs> exactly. Um, we tend I tend to have to raise my voice, uh, but I was quite pleased on one tour. Uh, one of the chaps at the end came up to me and said, "I was I really was a bit worried about coming on your tour because I'm I've hard of hearing, uh, but I can confirm that I heard every single word you said." So. <laughs> so that was high praise indeed. But uh, so we've got here, yeah, Frank uh, Frank, Frank Cooper. Cooper, and he took over this building from Thomas William Weeks, who between 1890 and 1904 uh, ran what was called a livery stable. Uh, now I love this idea of a livery stable. It's a car park for horses, and what you can see just under this sign is a is a double fronted, almost like a garage entrance. It's set back a little bit, isn't it? Set back. Still got the cobbles there. Set back and still got the cobbles. And behind that, the original stables are, are still there. Not operational, but the buildings of the stables that once housed the horses are still there. And so it's natural that Frank Cooper would take that over and turn it into a more full-service operation, including the carriages for hire. Oh, I see. So he's got the stables there. Yeah. He can do something a different sort of commerce. Yeah. I presume that maybe using horses to get around was dying out as a, an idea, but yeah. using them for special occasions would make yeah. more sense. Yeah, exactly. So weddings being being the obvious thing and funeral processions. We're just up the road here now from Abney Park Cemetery, which you know isn't a formal stop on the tour, but is one of London's seven great Victorian cemeteries and was, was built as the, I think it was the first non denominational cemetery in Europe in 1840 uh, which meant that lots of radicals and free thinkers are buried in there and uh, so you could imagine that Mr Cooper's horses and carriages would also have been used for funeral processions uh, making their way to Abney Park it's got to be said they had an, an easy run of it <laughs> well what, how, how far are we there I mean that's five doors down or something. hundred yeah less than a hundred yards uh, now the other interesting connection here is that this livery stable and jobmaster outlet is on the corner of the street just ahead was once a huge pub uh, from from the 1850s right up until the 1950s called the Weaver's Arms and it really dominated this corner of uh, Casanova Road and Stamford Hill and I hypothesise on the tour that people moving goods and cattle and so on in and out of London along this uh, along this main road might have stopped the night at the Weaver's Arms parked their horses in the livery stable uh-huh. had a few beers retired to the rooms upstairs before continuing their journey into or out of the city of London um, the next day well that, I guess it makes a lot of sense then that you'd have the whiskies being advertised just there it's <laughs> clearly a drinking quarter so this, this is uh, another piece of late Victorian advertising probably the 1890s and you've got the bottom sort of two thirds of the sign uh, which is there up on the second well just top of the first second and third floors of that building but what you may have missed and what I still can't see when I look at it in the flesh so to speak is that the top 
third says good judges drink in a quite decorative victorian lettering style now the reason we know this is twofold one is a chap called sebastian ardwin who runs a blog called painted signs and mosaics and he does wonderful work with uh, photoshop and using filters to look at particular signs in order to bring out certain features and and help in the deciphering effort so if i'm really stuck on something i'll often send it through to him because he's a bit of a wizard at decoding these things now be honest does that equate to defeat for you no i i'm i'm quite a uh, what's the word i'm not a proud ghost signs researcher i think i i, I call it efficient use of resources <laughs> That's another of those phrases I'm going to bank for uh, uh, the perfect moment. <laughs> but, the, um, but the great thing about this is that when you then Google good judges drink John Brown whiskies, what you find is uh, contemporary press advertising print material of two judges in white wigs knocking back whiskies in this same campaign for this same brand. What a weird idea. It's a, a great little play on words, isn't it? You know, good yes, judges of good judges of whiskey would drink John well, Brown. I thought you were going to say something else completely. Different. <laughs> I, I can confirm, by the way, uh, having had a lunch with a lot of judges, they really put it away. Yeah. I mean, to a, I'm not sure if I should be saying this, but uh, you know, if you, it, presumably you want your judge to be a clear of mind as they're weighing up the case. <laughs> And I can assure you the, the amount of uh, booze that each one put away when I was with them, I would not be a clear mind. <laughs> anyway. Now, the, um, now the, the interesting... Well, one, for me, one of the interesting things, this, this John Brown's whiskey one, I came to find this F. Cooper one. I'd found this on Flickr on the, on the photo-sharing website. And so when I came to find this one, that was a surprise discovery for me. And this often happens. <laughs> Does that often happen? <laughs> so I've just tripped over somebody's uh, recycling box there because I'm not looking up the street where I should be. <laughs> oh, I see there's another trap here. They've actually put push chairs in the street for you to trip over. <laughs> like I say, it's Stoke Newington's major hazard. Well, we're, we're heading uh, slightly downhill now towards the cemetery that we were speaking of. And uh, which direction are we going to take when we get to this junction? Well, I'm thinking I'm not going to take you on the whole tour because then that would, would leave nothing for you or your listeners to, to bother coming for. But um, I thought we could maybe head off to Stoke Newington Church Street and see the tail end of the tour now that we've had a look at the beginning. Um, Before we hit the junction. So I just uh, wanted to point out, here is the, the last remnant of that pub I was referring to, the Weaver's Arms, which is a bit of lettering pressed into render up on the on the top of the building uh, above the second floor windows that just says in a very very simple lettering style weaver's arms uh, and and so that used to dominate this whole corner uh, here on Stamford Hill well let's shuffle down now I've started to look up I've noticed an interesting horse's head oh uh, yeah yeah that yeah, there's sort of a bit of sculpture we've got the row of <laughs> shop fronts across the road from us and just rather randomly a large sort of chess piece style horse's head uh, which is above the, the Madame Lily uh, artist's building. So Madame Lily was a, was a very wealthy artist who bought this building and has left it in perpetuity to, to other artists who can live and work there. And whether that horse's head, and you can see a, a bust of a, a small bust of a man uh, across to the right, whether they were anything to do with her or her work, uh, or whether they were original architectural features is unclear. In the most positive possible way, I've got a strong suspicion we might not ever get out of this street. 
this is the problem as soon as you do start looking up uh, you'll start to spot stuff everywhere bits of intrigue and you know I, I call it I have to edit I have to control what I research and what I don't research because otherwise I'd never get out of the archives Yes, there's more to ask about that, actually. Which way are we headed? Uh, let's go... Uh, we'll go south down uh, the A10 and right on to Church Street. This could be a good excuse to mention websites and so forth, but how on earth, if you were spending your whole time uh, looking at archives, do you make any money? Uh, well, I do sell tickets for the tour. It's not a giveaway. And I currently do a lot of work with contemporary sign writers. So my interest in painted lettering of the past has made me realize that there's a lot of brilliant work going on today people painting new signs and so i work a lot with them i run workshops for people who want to learn how to do sign writing and i help people find sign writers to complete jobs for them so that's uh, a, a sort of main area of work for me at what point does a ghost sign become a ghost sign oh you're trying to catch me out now <laughs> Um, it's, it's a very good point. Some, uh, some people in the States place an arbitrary number on it. They'll say, oh, well, it's, it's, if it's 50 years or more old, then that makes it a ghost sign. Uh, I think that it's a bit more complicated than that, if mm. I can say it. Um, I don't think you can put an arbitrary date on it. It's like, the, you know, what's the difference between a 17 years 364 day year old and an 18 year old you know why why can they drink today but not yesterday um i think those sort of arbitrary figures are slightly meaningless um the meaning of the term is is in flux really it's it hasn't been settled on i think that the idea of a ghost sign is is a voice from the past is one aspect of it the words i like that the words and the messages are, are from a different era, from the past. But secondly, and what got me hooked, are these faded forms, these less than full-bodied forms that you find on the walls. And I think that that is an also the, a ghostly aspect. You know, ghosts are not quite opaque. They're slightly translucent. And that's the effect that you get with these on the walls. Uh, I should like to make it clear that it is not the position of Londoners that the correct age for drinking is to be ignored. <laughs> no, I'm sure that every 17-year-old, 364 days, there's no way that they should ever be even thinking about drinking. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was the, the least convincing statement that we've ever had on the show. I certainly waited until I was 18, that's for sure. That was, yeah. <laughs> While we're here, we should actually cross... I'm going to take you back over the road into this Palestinian restaurant because there's something quite interesting in there. You're going to take me into a Palestinian restaurant? (laughs) Is this your idea of flirting? (laughs) Um, While I come to terms with the turn that this tour has taken, uh, I'm going to pass you across to our sponsors for a commercial message. I really am. Having an annual travel card is good. Your travel is sorted for the year, with no queuing at ticket offices, no getting caught out with an expired ticket, and a hefty discount on buying monthly tickets. Plus, there are other benefits, like cheaper UK rail travel and two-for-one deals on London stuff. However, not all of us have employers who can give us a season ticket loan, and few of us can afford to pay thousands of pounds up front to get one. Now there is another way. 
Commuter Club gives you access to the big discounts offered by annual travel cards, while keeping all the flexibility of buying monthly tickets. Join Commuter Club and you'll make 11 payments at the same cost as a monthly travel card, including their 5.6% interest rate, for a full year of travel. Best of all, with Commuter Club, there is no lock-up or cancellation fees. So, what will you do with the money you save? Find out more and sign up to start saving at www.commuterclub.com forward slash Londonist. You're listening to Londonist Out Loud. I'm N. Quentin Wolfe and we're doing a tour looking at the outside of buildings and I've been taken inside a Palestinian restaurant. Why? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, this, this restaurant has got something quite remarkable inside of it. Which is well, thank, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, besides yourself, is, is this stunning piece of Victorian glasswork. So, the, the, sorry, glasswork. Yeah. So this is uh, a piece of work painted on the reverse of a piece of glass, and it was a and still is a way of creating signage that was then protected by the glass on shop fronts. So you, oh, clever, right. So you're looking at what was once the front of this shop and the part that we're standing in here is where the building has been extended outwards into the street. So this would previously have been visible to people walking past on the street, on the pavement uh, where we are here. So so this remains in situ as as it would have been. And it says W.A. Higgs and the the typeface uh, that they're using there is sort of a three-dimensional... Um, thing it's made to look as though the the point of each letter has a fleur de lis coming from it, and it's all, it's, it's got a, a three dimensional shine to it. Looks very uh, very fashionable, perhaps. It's um, it's a fantastic uh, piece of work. The, the lettering style, as you as you point out, is uh, is called the Tuscan style, and it has these curls at the at the terminals of the letters. Now, it's advertising W.A. Higgs, who were a tea importers that used to be based in this building. And the, the owner of this uh, restaurant, which is called uh, Tetris, the restaurant here in Stoke Newington, uh, found it and cleaned it up. And it's in remarkably good shape. There's a few bits of wear at certain points. Um, but she was saying that lots of people urged her to keep it. And uh, as a result, she has, even though it does occasionally lead to a bit of confusion over whether this is Tatri's Cafe or W.A. Higgs' Palestinian restaurant. But uh, they're about to get some... (laughs) (laughs) W.A. Higgs' Palestinian restaurant. It's got to be that. Um, but uh, so uh, this is it's just a remarkable, remarkable piece of work and a stunning hidden gem here in Stoke Newington that otherwise you wouldn't notice. I like the very clever way they've combined pictures from presumably Palestine, but possibly from around the time when W.A. Higgs would have been trading as part of their decor. It all sort of somehow uh, works together. I'm conscious that we have inadvertently stationed ourselves in a place where we're now doing an advertising pitch for a, a restaurant. Sorry, I should... I should. We, we've been brought drinks. I think we may, ne- we may never leave. <laughs> this is quite a rare example of this in terms of being inside, but it's an example of a, a shop fascia, and my latest sort of area of interest, uh, what I'm calling fading fascias, and these are things that appear temporarily when premises change hands so quite often a shop will change hands and the old sign will come down and it can be for a matter of days or weeks prior to the new sign being put up 
you'll see an old piece of Victorian signage that has been covered up for dozens of years and this is akin to that but it's a it's a very elaborate piece of work beautiful well i was on your website and bad weather also does the same thing doesn't it well the shop face you're just down the road in fact near the start of the tour it's been covered over again now but the recent valentine's day storms ripped off the roti stop sign that was was covering it and underneath was a piece of work from the 1940s advertising d apple who was, funnily enough, a grocer, which I, was, I find quite intriguing. Uh, but that's covered up again. But what's quite nice about those situations is that it's just sitting there, being protected, nothing's happening to it. And at some point in the future, could be 10, 20, 30, 40 years, that rotty stop sign will come down again for whatever reason, and it will be there for someone else to discover anew. Well, we should push on, probably. Although the allure of the minted drink here is something to withstand. <laughs> that was delicious, thank you. It was. We should, we should wave our thanks. Should we pitch the name of the restaurant again? Uh, this is where Tatri's Cafe it is actually delicious. I've eaten here. And not only do you get the food, but you get this wonderful W.A. Hicks sign. Right, there we go. Well, listener, the rest of the show can only be a disappointment from my point of view. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the foot of... Church Street and uh, we're going to dash across but to save a little time I think maybe we'll uh, have an interlude of some sort. London's Air Ambulance is the charity that delivers an advanced trauma team to critically injured people in London. Using a helicopter by day and rapid response cars by night, a doctor and a paramedic team can be at a patient's side within minutes. They provide life-saving medical interventions such as open heart surgery, blood transfusions and anaesthesia at the roadside. Every second counts, as does every donation, big or small. Please visit londonsairambulance.co.uk slash donate. Thank you. Well, here we go. We're at the foot of Stokenyington Church Street, heading north. We've got Clissold Park Library off to our left. And we're, we're sort of inverting history here. We're going to finish at the uh, sign that started you on your journey through signs and can I just say um, I've never quite got the whole go signs thing and I totally get it now (laughs) well that's good I hope I've um, not enlightened you but shown shown you what it's all about yes it's really exciting and I must say one of the privileges of my job to be able to do this exploring with somebody who's got the the history already I mean you've done the hard yards here yeah yeah well that's you know that's that's the fun of it for me often is it's the little discoveries that you make what you find is that some of these signs you can dig and dig and dig and find absolutely nothing you just hit dead end after dead end but then some of them history just seems to open up in front of you you find something in the archive that gives you something new to google online then that leads you to births and deaths registers and then in the case of one of them nearby i ended up getting the abney park trust volunteers to take me to the gravestone of one of the guys whose signs is on my tour so you have these wonderful you know completing moments when you're researching these old signs i don't want to press buttons that aren't there to be pressed what was the sort of experience for you what was the relationship between you and this fellow at that point (laughs) i mean was it an homage of some kind there it is i just i've just pulled out one of the laminate pictures that i show to people on the tour and and you can see here a gravestone in loving remembrance of robert ellis entered into rest july 15th 1898 age 63 so we stop at robert's sign and 
Yeah, it was. It was a bit like a little pilgrimage going going to find his gravestone. And he's buried alongside his wife who outlived him for 20 years but kept his business going uh, during that time. I will just point out that this could explain a lot of the awful things that they find in old graveyards. It doesn't actually say she died. It says also Elizabeth, wife of the above, who fell asleep March 29th, 1919. And they just buried her anyway. Yeah, ends with until he comes. So she's presumably waiting yeah, for Prince Charming. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> rather grisly. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't, listener, I don't want you to feel we're being information heavy on this, uh, <laughs> on this issue. Um, so, so that yeah, those sorts of stories and tidbits, just you know, they're they're like revelations to me, and uh, I really like it. And what's wonderful on the tours is that I get new ones. So people will come on the tours and they they spot things that I haven't seen even when I've been looking at a wall for you know dozens of times. So the tours are as much about me learning as as others. Is, is there a, a feeling among the crowd that they sort of caught you out or something when they did? Um, is it a bit of one-upmanship? Sort of what the heckling? Well, the, the, no, I think I think people. It's more that they they sort of do it tentatively quite often. It's Sam, what's what's that? Or they'll ask the question and. I have to sort of blag it a bit and say, well, I don't actually know. But then invent a theory on the spot and then go and try and post-rationalise that theory or at least verify it in some way. The funniest thing on the tours are actual genuine hecklers. So we get members of the public who see this group of people wandering around staring at walls and they quite often shout things at at me and the group. Uh, My favourite was when this bunch of, I don't know, it must have been 14-year-old boys, three or four of them, went past shouting... It's all lies. Everything he says, he's a liar. <laughs> and I've had, uh, you know, p- drunkards and all sorts uh, shouting and heckling at me. And what I've learned is that you just have to sort of take it on the chin, be good-humoured about it, and eventually they will pass. If you, if you push against it and resist it, they just come at you harder. So it's a bit like the old kung fu type technique. Just recede into yourself and they will wear themselves out and get bored. So, yeah. Now, I don't know. We're going to go and see this old fountain pen sign, which is is the one that got me all started. But on the way, there are a couple of others that that we stop on the tour. If we just look... uh, Oh, we can't see it at the moment. It's a bit further back there, so we passed that one. But This isn't a very good tour, is it? Well, up on... on, It's back there somewhere. Well, we uh, we didn't want to stop at that one, but up on this one, this is one of my favourites. So we've got the sun slightly in our eyes, but... This is one where people did catch me out. So, I, okay, let's see if I can do this. I yeah. think there's a pun going on in it. <laughs> I think it says ale, a l e, ale the purse king. I think it says real after that, and then I'm not sure where we go with where, where the text goes. I can see purses, pouches, and bags. Wallace, Wallace. possibly. Oh, wallets, yeah. Yeah. So it's well, it's, it's Alf. Um, so oh. Alf was Alfred Rubenstein, which is the, the bigger name just underneath. And he was a, a leather goods manufacturer. But on this sign, you're, you know, you're right, there's lots of the text that's quite hard to decipher. And I thought I'd got it all, but when you look above the windows, the two right-hand windows on that first floor, in the, I don't know what you call those, that arrangement of bricks above the window, the, the lintel, I suppose it is, of, of sorts, there's actually text in there. And what that says is, at Kimberley Terrace, Great Yarmouth. 
And I thought, that's bizarre. What on earth is that doing there? And this was somebody on the tour pointed that out to me. They said, oh, there's some text above those windows. And we managed to decipher it. So I took that home and a few searches later found out that Alf the Purse King is still very much in business in Great Yarmouth. (laughs) Really? When does this sign date from? Uh, That sign is from the late mid to late 1920s because the guy Rubenstein or Rubenstein moved from this house next door into that one in the uh, in the mid 1920s and so we assume that he put his sign up soon afterwards and this is a this is a listed building so it's been cleaned up quite a lot in recent years but that sign is still surviving well and now has, has got I guess a form of inadvertent protection because the building is listed they can't really do much to it. They can't put an advertising hoarding up there or uh, whitewash the whole front of it. So that sign will uh, likely be with us for a few years yet. So should we, uh, should we continue on? Well, Church Street a little further on the right, we've got the Daniel Defoe pub. Which, with your, with your new trained-up glance, you'll see was once called... It's called the uh, Clarence Tavern. Yeah, so this is... We'll cross over here as well, actually. Um... Did you know that, you see, we're stood here on a traffic island. The, uh, how do you think the guy that invented traffic islands died? Was he on one of your tours? <laughs> He'd have been lucky, but he, uh, he, got, he died by getting run over. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> um, do, we, do we know what he was doing when that happened? Uh, presumably crossing a road without a traffic but island. I reckon he was very proudly uh, pointing to one of his traffic <laughs> islands and saying, look, this is splat. OK, so... Um, Here's where I'm going to actually get out some some uh, visual resources to show you. Oh, this is going to work. Well, we're now on the, the junction of... Uh, we've got Defoe Road on one side. On the other side, Yokeley Road. And, of course, we're on Stoke Newington Church Street. We're looking north, and I can see a sign on one of the buildings there. It's very uneven. sticks out. It's an enormous blue area. I can make out the words Westminster. I think it says Criterion. And I think there's a matchbox being advertised. But the, the visual aid that you mentioned... So this is uh, a photograph from the 1920s that I found down at the Hackney Archives. And it shows this exact view that we're looking at now uh, from that time, which quite clearly shows the old piece of advertising for the Westminster Gazette, the fragment of which you, you identified correctly on that wall. Um, it also has some little notes that somebody had scribbled along the bottom and shows you where Daniel Defoe's house was and Mrs. Barbord's house, uh, two famous former Stoke Newington residents, also Thomas Day. But the bit I love on here is that down the alleyway over there by the old Shillelagh pub, uh, it's not called this anymore, but was once referred to as Cutthroat Passage. Um, I still don't know why they changed the name, but let's see. You, s- <laughs> you don't know why they changed the name? <laughs> Um, and on, House prices would be my guess. <laughs> and on the flip side is, a, is, is another photograph, this one from 1922, where that Westminster Gazette piece of advertising is still visible. Uh, but what I love about this one is it shows cows and sheep sort of just swarming in the middle of the road. There, re- there really is a flock of sheep in the middle of Stoke Newington Church Street. <laughs> um, Presumably being driven uh, down the street on the way to a market or something. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, it just shows you the extent to which this area has changed. 
Um, uh, now, w- one thing that leaps out, of course, is that the sign that we're seeing in front of us, whilst it contains some of the wording that you've just referred to, yeah. uh, this looks like another palimpsest job, doesn't it? Because the uh, the word criterion, for example, and the word matchbox there didn't appear in the ad you just showed in the photograph. Exactly. So correctly identified. So since that Westminster Gazette piece was painted, uh, likely in the 1910s or 1920s, this same very prominent wall here on Stoke Newington Church Street has been used to advertise two additional brands, one of which, as you've spotted, is Criterion Matches, and that's what this illustration of the matchbox is from. Uh, But there's also another layer of text there uh, for a very well-known razor brand, and the blue colour gives a sight clue to it. If you look under the C and the R of Criterion, there's a large curved shape which is the letter G of Gillette. And you can also see the the E's and the T's and the L's. So Mm. this particular site has been used at least three times uh, for the purposes of painted advertising. Which, just from a very practical point of view, makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because clearly, whether it's livestock or vehicles being driven up and down the road, it's been a busy road for at least 100 years. This is uh, a, There's a very big difference in the way that the buildings are lined up there, so it affords that, that wall to be very, very visible. Yeah. yeah. So this, this is really a, a prime advertising site, which makes me wonder why there isn't an, uh, an ad up there at the moment. Uh, presumably that will be because of the planning restrictions here. You'll notice when you walk up and down Stone Newington Church Street that there are no billboards as such. And that's to do with the, the protections afforded to the area by the fact of it being a conservation zone. Uh, so we come full circle now, and, and this, this is what we were mentioning at the yeah. station. And yes, suddenly when you're able to see the effects of that, uh, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. This must be rich pickings. Yeah, because that there would be snapped up by an outdoor advertising company uh, for a billboard you know, as quick as you could say so if, if it were available, particularly now that this area is affluent and so on. Uh, the area became a conservation zone around the 1980s. Um, So it's possible that there was once a billboard there, but that may have then come down. And then the sign I want to show you is is on the front of that building. Uh, So we'll just walk up and have a closer look at that one. Now I can already see something about pens repaired. It looks like it might be fount pens repaired. I I wonder if that means that the building isn't quite wide enough for fountain to have been written. (laughs) Yeah, so it is. It's, It's fount pens repaired and there was something in that phrase, fountain pen repairs, that, that got me hooked. And it just struck me that it comes from a very, very different era. You know, these days people will break their computer or their phone or crack or something and they just get a new one. But this from the, from the 1920s speaks to us of a time when people would get even a humble pen repaired. And... It was this sign that that got me started. It was the first one I noticed back in 2006. And I still think it's one of London's best. I completely share that feeling. There's a little critical part of me, a self-critical thing, I suppose, saying the whilst I might look down on or at least not want to see a more modern ad, perhaps in the place we were talking about just then or in that large wall earlier. We are essentially looking at exactly that same thing aren't we and, and romanticizing it somewhat yeah so there, there is a, a danger of becoming nostalgic with these with these old ghost signs in articles i've written I've, I've warned against that to an extent i find them fascinating and intriguing because of the window that they give us into into history in the past but 
I've taken what I call a, an agnostic position when it comes to campaigns and lobbies to protect, restore and conserve them. Uh, I think that they are part of, a, of an evolving urban landscape and if you live in a city you have to accept that change is inevitable and these signs are part and parcel of that change every time that we lose one to property development a building being knocked down or somebody deciding to to whitewash the front of their building others are revealed you know buildings are demolished revealing ghost signs on adjacent buildings or hoardings come down that reveal ghost signs underneath them that have been protected and preserved for years and it's my personal mission in some way to to document them at least photographically and to do the research behind them so that if one day they're not there we still have a record of them and are able to to talk about what once was um i don't particularly hark after the 1920s i wasn't even alive then um although somebody pointed out that you can have nostalgia for times when you weren't alive which i i, I find a fascinating notion i suppose you know people who, who fantasize about the 50s you know a lot of those um but uh i just think this is particularly this vertical panel on the right hand side of the sign is just very well executed and really shows off all the best features of a ghost sign you can see the individual bricks you've got lots of different styles of lettering very well executed by a world trained sign writer um advertising interestingly two different companies you've got walker brothers the fountain the fountain pen specialists so they were the stationers that occupied this building but they were as you can see in the middle line agents for waterman's ideal fountain pen which is a particular brand a bigger company bigger advertiser uh, selling fountain pens and we quite often see this with ghost signs a, a local retailer partnering with a bigger brand for the purposes of advertising and in this case it would be waterman's who would actually pay for this sign in return for the the space that the the local business provides them on on the wall so so everyone's a winner really the the bigger brand gets a nice prominent piece of advertising here in Stoke Newington and the stationer gets a nice big bold sign on their building that will help them compete with any other local stationers and uh, nearly 100 years later Sam Roberts you uh, not only are able to introduce people to the attractiveness of these things and introduce ideas of history and local history through them but also of course each one of these adverts they're not being reprinted from a photograph as they would be now or a digital image somebody's got to get up on a ladder and paint those across and I know of course that that's an area that you're involved with and you encourage and you're working with a lot of people on that side of things we have come to the end of our time today but if people are interested as i'm sure there will be in uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about or the more practical ongoing craft of sign writing and typefaces and, and all that stuff your website i think ghostsigns.co.uk yeah so there's there's two websites that should be of interest the first is ghostsigns.co.uk and that's got my blog where i put something up every week a piece of research or photography that i've found or things of interest you can access the national archive that the history of advertising trust via that website which documents a thousand locations across the uk and ireland so if you really want to get involved with ghost signs go and have a look at that website and if you're interested in contemporary sign writing and lettering practice uh, have a look at betterletters.co betterletters.co and that's where you can find out about uh, workshops where you can learn to do sign writing and also if you want a painted sign for your building or piece of advertising uh, we can help you find someone
Well, Sam Roberts, uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time. And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Sam Roberts. Thanks too to Mark Barr and Bernie Barkley. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm in Quentin Wolfe. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.